Avengers, assemble. In the wake of Endgame, some were lost, others regained. They're good. What happens next? Stay tuned, true believers, as we try to find out. Peter Melnick. Graphic designer, comic book enthusiast, and podcast pontificator. And I'm Eddie Wilson. Upstate New York radio announcer in the Sullivan Catskills with an inordinate amount of catching up in his own comic book universe. Ready? It's time for a new episode of The Marvelists. This is Zombie Taylor from Zombie Taylor's Toys, and you are listening to The Marvelous with Peter Melnick and Eddie Wilson. Welcome, everyone, to The Marvelous, the Marvel Universe podcast. I'm Peter Melnick. And I'm Eddie Wilson. And before we get into the usual rigmarole of today's episode and introducing, on the other end of the tin cannon string, our special guest, we want to tell you all at home how you can get a hold of us on them, our social medias. We? You. Go ahead. We, we. First off, go on Facebook at facebook.com slash... The Marvelists. Give us a like-ski, a follow-ski, a whatever-ski. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at... The Marvelists. You can find us individually on social media. I'm on Facebook at facebook.com slash Peter Melnick Podcaster. On Instagram and Twitter at Peter Melnick I don't know why, but I'm on TikTok, at Peter Melnick, but better. Seriously, that really is the name, because the other handle was taken. And then there is only one place in the whole World Wide Web that you can find Eddie Wilson on social media, and that is on Instagram, at Eddie9193. You can also listen to this show on a wide variety of streaming platforms for all iOS and Android devices, and these include... TuneIn Radio, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, SoundCloud. Let's see what else. we got Podbean. All of those platforms, you can listen to this show, stream it. But remember, there is one audio platform that we really enjoy the most, and that's iTunes. And go on iTunes, rate, review, subscribe, five-star this show if you are ever so inclined. And again, Eddie, uh-huh. remember to five-star the show, because much like the ice cream machine at McDonald's, four stars and below. It just does not work. Three, two, one, boom. Goes the dynamite, yes. Now, Eddie, on the other end of the tin cannon string, we are joined with Zombie Sailor of Zombie Sailor Toys. How are you today? Thank you for having me, gentlemen. I'm fine. And let me start off this interview by saying, so, so far you guys interviewed from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Mr. Mark Ruffalo, who, of course, plays Dr. Bruce Banner, and the Incredible Hulk. You've interviewed recently good old Todd McFarlane, who, in my opinion, is the greatest artist of all time and the most successful. Now you have Zombie Sailor on. I mean, where do you go from here? It's nowhere but down, I hate to say it. <laughs> and here we are. And here we are. <laughs> what now, a setup. Oh, my. <laughs> let me preface this, by the way. You are one of the most interesting people I've followed on Instagram. I have you followed, I believe, on both my main account and the Marvelous page, and I love your Instagram account. There's just something about the bizarre level of humor that you show on there, your rare toy finds, just everything about it. It's such a solid follow, and I cannot recommend it enough. And just at the top of it already, ZST, how can people follow you on Instagram? Yeah, man, very simple. Go in that good old search bar and search for Zombie Sailors with an S at the end, Zombie Sailors Toys, and that's it. You'll see, um, you know, probably my beautiful face pop up and a couple of, boxes of uncirculated figures from the 80s or 90s and then boom just start following me and i hopefully think you'll enjoy what it is that 
you see if you're born in the 80s or 90s. And, um, yeah, there's a lot of really cool stuff on there. And um, I'm always trying to find the rarest and most pristine action figures from the past 20 or 30 years. So that's that. There's pro wrestling. There's Kevin Costner. There's gorillas. This is the social media account for you. I'm telling you, man. I mean, the year 2020, I mean, some crazy stuff is going on right now. But, I mean, there's no better page to follow. If you love Kevin Costner, if you love a grown man chasing after other men in gorilla costumes trying to find Congo action figures, I mean, there's no better page than to go than Zombie Sailor's Toys. And I have to ask, I associate you especially with the love of Big Kev, Kevin Costner. Now, he's a part of the DCEU, or as I like to call it, the DC. Yeah. But with that, he hasn't been a part of the Marvel Universe, and that's a damn shame. If it were up to you, who would you have Big Kev play in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Wolverine, no question. No. <laughs> um, obviously, I mean, Big Kev, I mean... Nowadays, I really can't pinpoint a certain character, but imagine, if you will, a 1995 Kevin Costner playing Tony Stark. Tell me that wouldn't be amazing. I could see that. Hmm. Yeah, you know. I, would I think he would have made that. a good Conan the Barbarian if we're going with the Marvel version as well. Well, absolutely. I mean, the man obviously has zero body percent um, fat. He has a large muscular build. I would think he would damn near be perfect for Conan. There's just, again, there's just something about him. By the way, I had not mentioned this to you, but by me, there's this flea market called the Duchess Marketplace. They recently closed down, but one of the very first or very last things I bought from there was a DVD copy of Waterworld for the grand total of $1. And I have to tell you, yes, your social media account is why I own that on DVD now, because I haven't seen it in a long, long time. I plan on watching it very soon, but... I have you to thank for that being a part of my collection now. Oh, man, I, I don't know to say thank you or, or I'm sorry. But, uh, well, yeah, why not both? <laughs> yeah, so, so sorry and thank you. Waterworld's a great movie. You know, it gets a lot of, like, you know, like a bad rep, if you will. But, like, I'm all about, you know, the 90s nostalgia. Of course, that's what I'm all about. That's what my entire social media platform is about. And, yeah, it didn't do the best financially, and it's, you know, I would say, for the most part, Waterworld's critically panned. But at the helm of it all, it's a good movie. It's a very interesting concept. But more importantly, that straight-up represents the 90s. Like, at least for me, if you mention Waterworld, Kevin Costner, it takes me back to, like, this instant time warp in my mind so that to the mid-90s, and that's where I want to be. I mean, I'm sure you guys would agree. You'd probably rather be in 1995 than right now, right? Uh, so, yeah. Well... <laughs> I'm a yeah, little man. stuck on the term that you just used, which was '90s nostalgia, because I was yeah. born I was born in the '60s, so it's oh, not computing altogether. I mean, I'm going with you know, oh, '90s nostalgia. Let's see, MC Hammer, uh, Vanilla Ice. There you go, Gerardo. I'm doing music, but anyway. Yeah, man, that was it. Was a good old times, man. And yeah, Kevin Costner was like the forefront of the '90s. So yeah, he just picture like he perfectly represents that whole entire like culture of the you know the good old '90s again. So yeah. That's why I love the guy, and that's why I love Waterworld. Yeah, I think I'm going to feel the dreams for this now. Okay. I'm in disbelief that Rico Suave just got referenced on the show. Like, that is the last thing I ever expected. (laughs) This is what happens when you have me on. Can you believe that? Mm -hmm. I enjoy that. Mm -hmm. Now, and by the way, you're mentioning 1995. That's an absolutely crazy year. 94 and 95, four movies. You know, for us, especially with, you know, you're mentioning the 90s nostalgia. 95 had us with Batman Forever. 
Oh, God, like yeah. That, every time I think of 1995, I think of that in the Casper the Friendly Ghost movie. And I, mm. I think of Pizza Hut as well. And that goes hand-in-hand <laughs> hand with Casper. Oh, of course. man. I mean, you know, it's crazy. I was just watching Casper a few days ago. I, I rented it. Um, don't ask me why, but yeah, I, rented, I'm, I swear to God, this is for real. I really legitimately rented Casper. And it's been probably 20 years since I've seen that, 15 years at least. And I completely forgot that Dan Aykroyd has a cameo in his Ghostbuster costume in that. How cool is that? Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's one, by the way, does, does the CGI in that movie still hold up? Honestly, absolutely. It really does. I mean, there was that one scene where all like the bad guys, like the uncles or whatever, they're at the table and they're eating all that food and it's like falling onto the floor. So the ghosts are CG and the actual food that they're like engulfing and falling onto the said floor, that's like real food. But I mean, you know, that was from 25 years ago and it's still to this day. I genuinely think that it still holds up. And there's a lot of stuff that you say as well, it holds up. You look at the action figures of that time and they're, they can be a little wonky in some parts, but a lot of the comic book toys from that era still hold up. And what were some of the first toys? Because I think you're around the same age as me, early 30s, and just that experience of the Toy Biz era, the McFarlane Toys era. What were your first toys with like the Marvel and DC and even Spawn you know, image universe characters? Yeah, um, I want to say the first toys, my Uncle Carlos got... My brother and I, Wesley, um, I want to say the very first figures were Captain America and the Punisher, I want to say. So, like, you know, the Toy Biz line, this had to have been 1991, maybe 1990. And I don't remember if we were even familiar with these characters to begin with. I mean, it's so long ago now. But, you know, I instantly, like, fell in love with just, you know, how cool they were. Like, Captain America's costume, the fact that that actual action figure shot had the shield launcher, so you put it on his mm. forearm and it shot it. That was cool. And the Punisher coming with all the guns before everything got so, like, you know, oh, guns are bad. Well, you know, like, you know, it was, you know, a little kid playing with this. I thought it was the greatest thing in the world. And then I remember, like, a couple of days later, he got us, like, the Silver Surfer, and I want to say Thor. And it was just the coolest thing in the world. I, from that moment on, you know, I just completely fell in love with, well, I mean, I've always liked action figures ever since I could remember, but from that moment on, that's when I just completely fell in love with just Marvel comics in general and made my brother and I go on a quest to get these comics, find out more about these characters, their backstories, and all that other stuff. And it's kind of funny that you mentioned that Punisher figure. I'm in a lot of Marvel Legends groups on Facebook, and somebody recently posted the Punisher War Van. And, you know, somebody made the comment, I want to see a Marvel Legends remake of this. And oh, wow. I looked at it, and I just burst out laughing because it's supposed to be this inconspicuous van. <laughs> that You know, the guns are going to come out, whatever, but it's, it's supposed to be inconspicuous. And it has skulls emblazoned on it, and it says The Punisher all over in big letters. And all I can think of is, yes, when I want to be inconspicuous, I have vehicles with my name emblazoned all over. Exactly. You want everyone to know who's driving that vehicle and where the bad guys or the cops to find you. It makes a whole lot of sense. If I had to pick between having my name on a vehicle or FBI pizza, I would probably go with the latter. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) So what came first for you, the uh, toys or the comic books? Yeah, I'm definitely the toys. Um, The toys first, and then my uncle started taking us to, like, comic shops. I mean, I don't know if you guys ever heard of this before, but I grew up in Staten Island, New York, and maybe a few listeners would know, know about this place. I'm pretty sure they're still in business. It's called Jim Hanley's Universe. So he oh, took yeah. us there, and, like, we were just, like, captivated. It was so, 
Actually, yeah, there's a Jim Henley's in Manhattan still, I believe. Um, yeah, there's one in Manhattan. I, I think they have three locations. And the memories, man, they're just pouring through through the brain right now. But, yeah, so uh, we, we went to the comic shop. We got a couple of things. I forgot what comics we got. I don't know if this was the same trip the first time, but I want to say a couple of, like, the Marvel, like, 2099 things, like Spider-Man 2099, maybe Punisher 2099, definitely X-Men 2099. And I think, you know what it was? I was, like, six years old. My brother was, like, five. And, you know, those, those shiny covers are what, you know, pulled us in. Those, they weren't even holographic, but, you know, talking about they had, like, the metallic shine to them. And, oh, yeah. uh, you know, it was just like, you know, we're like, wow, look how cool these are. And started getting that and just ever since then, you know, fast forward 20, somewhat, almost 30 years, and I'm still a big fan. still love all this stuff, man. So you started with those uh, pretty much then. Okay, that, that gives a good reference point. And, you know, you mentioned the shiny covers and everything. I have two things that I want to bring up with the shiny covers. Whenever I go comic shopping, if I, you know, go through like a back issue bin, nine times out of ten, if I see one of those, you know, foil covers or the holographic ones, I have to grab it immediately. There's just, it's that warm blanket of nostalgia that, you know, I cannot get enough of those. Yeah, and if you, you know, look really closely, I think you can see yourself. No. Well, yeah, there is, sure. There's also that element of just the fun of it all. And that's what the 90s comics were heavily. And the other thing is, you know, you mentioned Jim Hanley's universe. Did the Staten Island location have the, because I know they eventually moved it there down the line, but it was a Silver Surfer statue. Like, life-size, metallic everything, just super shiny. They had it in the window, I know, for the Manhattan location briefly. And like I said, they moved it over because, you know, new location had a smaller space over there. But was it at yours? Oh, man, to be honest with you, I really don't remember. I want to say yes, but at the same time, I, I really can't confirm. Um, I remember that, of course, you know, being a comic shop, they had a lot of really cool, like, store displays and what have you. I don't remember vividly if they had the Silver Surfer, though, unfortunately. It's kind of funny because you look at characters like Silver Surfer and the Fantastic Four, and in regards to, like, the pop culture, like, how, you know, people know... When you say Marvel, you're going to hear someone go, the Avengers, Captain America, Iron Man, etc., or the Guardians of the Galaxy, which still blows my mind. Yeah. But characters like the Fantastic Four... It's a shame they've been kind of pushed to the back burner a little bit, although I've been slowly seeing, you know, Hasbro and Funko and all these different companies rolling out new lines of toys related to them. And do you think that we're going to see the Fantastic Four, Silver Surfer, all these characters on the same level they used to be back in the 90s, where you couldn't like, go to a comic shop without seeing them? Oh, absolutely, man. It's only a matter of time until they're, they're pushed to the A-list. It's it's statistically impossible that they take the Guardians of the Galaxy, this obscure team of ragtag misfits, that's pretty much every possible group you can imagine, and push these guys to the forefront. And now they're like household names and everyone knows who Star-Lord is and what have you. So, I mean, there, there's no doubt in my mind that once the Fantastic Four, Reed Richards and all of them are part of this Marvel Cinematic Universe, and now that they're under the same umbrella, there's no doubt in my mind that these guys are going to be super top-level A-list. I'm going to give you a little bit of a challenge one, because everyone says this actor for this, but you're Reed Richards. Who would you pick? And again, challenge mode. No John Krasinski. Oh, man. I mean, I know I sound so old and so, like, out of the loop, but honestly, I don't know any, like, new actors from nowadays. I barely watch TV. I barely watch new movies. So I really can't say. So it would just be, like, 
somebody who's probably too old to play him now. I mean, of course, online everyone says that dude from the office should play him, right? Yeah, Krasinski. Yeah. Um, I really can't think of one. I mean, of course, Kevin Costner. No. Um, <laughs> hmm. I could see it, to be honest. <laughs> that would be pretty it's awesome. not a stretch. Well, ah. be... Oh, man. Oh, man, I, I, hate, I hate to say that I don't have an answer, but I really don't. Because, again, I, I just don't follow whole, all these new actors, new TV shows. I, I'm so, like, out of the loop that I just stay in my 80s and 90s bubble. So it's, it's pathetic, but that's, that's the truth. Now, I can help you with this in a way. Marvel mm-hmm. is known for taking actors that, you know, were lesser. Like, they, their stock fell a little bit. You can pick a 90s actor, you know, as long as they're still, you know, working and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing is, you know, I'm sure you can all agree that when they actually have Reed Richards on screen, they're probably going to get, like, a guy who's maybe, like, 25 to maybe, like, 32 years old. So, like... I don't know, man. I really can't think of any particular guys. I, think going, I would be fine with them casting an older actor, though, because that would help with the uh, the air of dis- uh, distinguishedness of the character, you know? A hundred percent. I totally agree. But I just feel like they just want to have, like, that youth factor. They'll probably get him. They'll probably get a guy that looks like, um, what's the dude that plays Star Wars game? The guy um, from Jurassic Park? Chris Pratt? Chris Pratt, yeah. Like, they're probably going to get somebody who's, like, a hunk slash beefcake that, like, you know, it's going to be, like, around Chris Pratt's level to play, like, Reed Richards, and they'll get him, like, a little silver streak on the side of his hair and whatnot. But, yeah, I don't I don't see them, unfortunately, casting, like, a guy who's in his 40s or 50s, however cool I think that would be. And you mentioned Chris Pratt, by the way. I've, I've recently found clips of him on the Internet from, like, you know, of course, you're going to we'll all remember him from Parks and Rec as Andy, where he's kind of, you know, a little doughy. And then you look even earlier than that. He was in the movie Strangers with Candy, the, uh, the movie version of the TV show, and you see him as like the skinny little dork, and it's kind of amazing to see the evolution of Chris Pratt over the years, especially. Oh yeah, man! Listen, they're going to give you like you know the opportunity of a lifetime to make a name for yourself, to to push you into the stratosphere, give you superstardom. I mean, you're going to train your your butt off. You're going to eat like a ton of chicken and bang and bang those weights, man, to to fit the role of what a superhero would look like. So, yeah, man, if I was in this position, I'd be doing the same exact thing, and I would have 8% body fat instead of 35% body fat like mm-hmm. my age. But, yeah, man, I mean, he he pushed himself hard, and I respect what he did. And, man, yeah, I've seen photos of him, like how he used to look. And, wow, yeah, he definitely transformed his body, and good for him. If you ever need a good laugh, I highly recommend looking up. I think it's from 2000, Chris Pratt's uh, headshot. It is one of the funniest things you'll ever see. Because oh he God. thought he was dead serious doing this. Definitely uh, now, checking out over there. Going over back to the toys, we're seeing a lot of the retro toys coming out. You know, they just came, like, last year was the Marvel 80th anniversary, and we were able to experience a lot of, like, the retro card backs to the point they're continuing again this year with the Spider-Man line based on mm-hmm. the 94 series. What are some figures you would want to see them maybe redo from the Toy Biz line and also just bring in new characters and give them that retro packaging. Oh, my God. Well, let me say that those Spider-Man figures, um, I was absolutely in love with them. And besides a couple of wrestling figures, the Spider-Man animated series is one of the last memories I have of actually, like, playing with toys. Like, so I want to say around 95, 96 is when, like, I stopped, like, actually taking them out of the package and, like, having, like, battles or what, what, what not. 
Um, but some characters that I would love to see, what was it? It was called, like I believe it was like the Vampire Wars line. Remember they made Blade? Um, it was called Spider-Man Unleashed, I believe, where he was like, I guess he got bit, I don't know what the hell the backstory is, but he was, it was Spider-Man and his costume was all ripped up and he looked like this giant bat almost. It was like the coolest looking figure. So if they could make something like that, with the retrofile packaging and newly updated sculpts, man, I would be all over that. Like, you wouldn't believe. Yeah, uh, Hasbro, like, this past week, as of this recording, on May 27th, they they had a ton of, like, figures that just went up for sale for pre-sale. And it's kind of wild to see what they included in there. Because they also threw in, like, they had, sh- they had debuted them at Toy Fair, and then they were like, you know what, we're going to add a couple more figures to this wave. They included uh, Green Goblin, Electro, and the one that just caught me so off guard, because I don't know if people are really going to buy this one, Battle Armor uh, Daredevil. Did you see that yeah, one? Man. Yeah, I saw that. I remember back in the day, that was the one that littered KB Toy Store shelves. There was like millions of those for like 3 for $5 or 3 for $10. That was um, that, that particular Daredevil and the Invisible Woman, or Invisible Girl, whatever, were the only ones that you could actually find on shelves at all times for years after they stopped making those. So that was a really interesting choice. I mean, I'm so happy they're making it. It's a cool-looking figure, but it's kind of bizarre they put that on, like, Spider-Man animated packaging as opposed to, like, the throwback Marvel packaging that they were doing. And you just mentioned the uh, Invisible Girl uh, figure. Is that the one with the gray card back? Yeah, the gray card back, Exactly. Funny story about that. There's a uh, shop, like a wholesale place over near Poughkeepsie, New York, and they had, like, they, I don't know how they came across it, but they had a wall of nothing but 1990s Toy Biz figures. This was three years ago, and the figures were, like, maybe 2 to $4 a pop. Wow. And one of the things that I ended up leaving with was that Invisible Woman figure because... How many times are you really going to come across these for, one, that price, two, being able to say, I bought from a store in recent memory one of these retro you know, figures, the original ones? Yeah, man, two, four bucks, I mean, that was like a pretty damn good deal, and that's exactly the point. You know, and even like, you know, four years ago, like going into an actual physical brick-and-mortar store and buying an action figure from, you know, 25 years prior, that's, that's pretty crazy, man. I would be on that all day. I know uh, they. it was a lot of X-Men toys, and there were, I want to say, they had some of the Ghost Rider line, but it was, just, it was like random jobber characters, like, no, like ones that no one cares about. Oh, God. But, like, just like a random bad guy. They had like, a, like maybe three or four different bad guys. I don't remember their names, to be honest. But, yeah, they had a lot of just scrubs that I know, I know exactly what you mean. What can Ghost Riders, other than Satan, what, what are any other villains for Ghost Rider? Like a deflated tire? I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Well, let's see. You had, uh, you had Vengeance. That was all over the place, I think. That was a cool-looking figure, man. I remember they had him. They also had, I believe they had Vengeance also with like a motorcycle, like more of like a deluxe figure. I know they had Johnny Blaze. Mm-hmm. Of course, they had Ghost Rider himself. And then I want to say they also had Vengeance with a, with a motorcycle. And they also had these weird ones called stunt cycles that were on cards and I think they were like attached to the bike, or that the arms were already pre pre uh, pre sculpted, so you couldn't move them. Like you couldn't bend them at the elbows or something. But yeah, it was a cool line. Yeah. That's another one of those that for years you used to see them in like clearance shops and KBs, and just nobody wanted them. Like the cards were cool and a nice vibrant purple with like the flames. But just I guess 
Ghost Rider never really connected with an audience for whatever reason. As cool as the character looks, it's a shame. I mean, when you can easily be defeated by a bucket of water. Uh, oh, no, yeah. no, no. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I just like Ghost Rider, I have your number. He just whips out like a, like a, like a fire extinguisher and he's done. Ghost Rider's afraid of Dalmatians. <laughs> oh man, Howard Mackey's gonna love coming back on our show one day. <laughs> oh my god! Now, I, I just find it funny also that with in recent memory they're doing a lot of these retro style figures, and they always nail the packaging. I love how they make it exactly how it used to be, or they'll even you know mix things up. I recently came into possession of the. Uh, New Order, Bizarre Love Triangle, uh, three-pack of Wolverine, Jean Grey, and Cyclops. And you mm-hmm. look at that, and they did the car- Like, I noticed that it didn't click until I looked close. I was like, oh, wow, they're going with, like, a 1990s uh, theme for the colors, like, very vi- uh, vibrant colors. No, mm-hmm. that wasn't it. It was they were taking the design and borrowing elements from the X-Men trading cards. So you look close, you see the little dark blue X's in a circle and then you turn it around and it's got all the you know stats of the characters and it's just it's wild to see that oh it's beautiful man yeah that's why I love these companies like Hasbro I mean they're a big corporate conglomerate but it's amazing because they obviously I don't know who like works there necessarily but I respect them so much that they're obviously hiring these guys that are at the helm that knows that know what they're doing that like respect the culture and know the history of it to do that because think about it. it could have been some guy who just been in like corporate his whole life you know a 50 year old man per se and be like eh, x-men i know nothing about it let's just make it red and green or whatever you know they're actually taking things from the past and they're incorporating it these packaging like you said and they're just making it beautiful and they have i feel like they completely have their fingers on the pulse of their true core fan base and it shows because think about it whenever you go to a target or a walmart isn't everything almost like always like ransacked and sold out people love these i feel like the marvel legends line is at like an all-time high in terms of popularity which of course could be said because of marvel cinematic universe's popularity but i mean man they, they make some great products man and i'm they're just incredible and what a time to be alive and i'll keep buying them as long as they keep making them awesome and throwing in a little bit of that nostalgia factor into it we live in an age where you can get a sugar man build a figure like need i say more Oh, God, dude. When they first showed that, like, pictures of that guy, I don't know if it was at Toy Fair or San Diego Comic-Con last year, whatever it was. I was going nuts. I'm like, holy crap. Is a Sugar Man Build-A-Figure, you know, in, in 2019, you know, at the time when it all first got shown. Or maybe it was the beginning of this year, whatever it was. I was just going nuts, like, thinking that I would never, ever in my life ever see, like, an updated Sugar Man figure. So I couldn't wait to get that. I bought it on eBay. Like, it was definitely overpriced, whatever. I wanted to get it first. And I put it together, dude, and that thing is amazing. Do you, do you have one? I do. It, it's one of the, like, I love still the packaging for the Jean Grey figure for that. Because mm. she's just pushed all the way to the side, and almost the entire packaging is Sugar Man's gigantic face. Oh, my God. It's, it's such a beautiful figure. I wish I had more space to, like, get a set to, like, put, like, you know, to display them in the original packaging. Because it's so cool, man. That's, like, art. They're, like, encapsulated in these beautiful packages and... The way that they're situated in there, it's just beautiful. They're like almost like console and carbonite in a way. They they just pose them perfectly in their bubbles, and it just looks so cool. But yeah, I agree, dude. That that is an amazing 
an amazing line, an amazing figure. And, oh, God, man, Sugar Man, it's just so damn cool, man. I, I love that figure. And I feel like every Builder figure gets, like, better and better to an extent. But this one, I, I don't know, I don't want to say if it takes the cake, but this might be my favorite Builder figure in, like, probably five years, maybe even a decade, man. It's just beautiful. I love that when it comes to the figures, they're always continuing to improve. And I remember when Black Panther came out, they ended up making a figure, and they had... All these, you know, they had, I think, uh, different hands, and then, of course, they came with alternate heads. And one of the heads was an unmasked Black Panther. And I looked at it, and I'm just like, is that, is that supposed to be Chadwick Boseman? Because that does not at all look like Chadwick Boseman. And then the next wave of the figures came out. They came out with another figure, and I'm like, wow, that actually looks like Chadwick Boseman. And they're making these figures look just like the actors that play them. You know, my favorite one, though, is the Paul Rudd Ant-Man figure because it's got Paul Rudd's smirk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, it's a beautiful-looking face. They capture him really well. It's absolutely perfect. And there's just some... Even uh, they did a uh, two-pack of Luis and somebody else. I forgot. I think it was Ghost. But mm-hmm. the Luis looks just like him. Yeah, I, man, I, I saw the target. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. And is it just me or, like, just a couple of years prior, they weren't really, like, tapping into, like, the potential of using the actor's likenesses? Like, either they just couldn't get the rights, maybe, for some guy. And I'm going back, like, you know, 10, 15-plus years. Or, like, even if they could have gotten the, the likenesses, I guess, they were doing, like, really piss-poor jobs of, like, capturing it. You know, they had these, these huge stars making these, you know, these huge money movies, and they weren't really, like, capitalizing on using their their likeness. You know what I mean? It's funny because you mentioned that with, for me, the, the one I go to immediately, and it's not just, you know, the bias of being a fan of the character as much as I am, but the Star-Lord figure, both from the original Guardians Volume 1 wave and from Volume 2, doesn't really look like Pratt. But then you see him paired up with Ego in the, uh, in the two-pack with him, and it's Kurt Russell. It's honest to God, Kurt Russell in, that you can hold in your hand. Yeah, that's a beautiful two-pack. They, they definitely nailed his likeness perfectly. You know which one I like I like a lot? I mean, again, I'm going back freaking 20 years now, and it's crazy that this movie's almost 20 years old. Um, so for the original Toy Biz line, it was the first Spider-Man movie with Tobey Maguire. Right. So, yeah, they made, like, a couple of, like, Tobey Maguire figures. You know, again, I can't stress this enough. This is damn near 20 years ago, two decades ago. They had one of, like, just Peter Parker, which, of course, had Tobey Maguire's likeness. And they also had one where it's like, you know, Spider-Man, a mask, whatnot. And they also had Willem Dafoe. And the likenesses were, like, freaking spot on. Now, granted, they don't have, like, the updated paint apps like they do today that have, like, every little blemish on the face. And you see, like, almost like you could see their pores on a little six-inch figure. Breathtaking. It's unbelievable. Going back 18 years and seeing these, these sculpts that were more than likely done by hand, it's unbelievable, man. They really, like, Toy Biz was so, like, ahead of its time with, like, their sculpting and their, just their, their articulation, even the paint work. I mean, here I am saying that they didn't have the blemishes and whatnot, but still, the, the paint apps were great. They were huge, you know, the good quality figures. They had a tons of, of articulation. They came with great accessories, and they were, like, five ninety nine. It's unbelievable. The, the one that always comes to mind for me as well, you know, you, I thought you were going to go with the original X-Men wave from 2000, which, wow, like, it's still, people still use that Professor Xavier from the original line for a lot of, like, you know, fan posings and stuff like that. 
and it's it's absolutely crazy that you know, yeah, the early toys they still hold up, they still look good. My only grievance, and it's because I'm loony for Mooney, is they came out with a Moon Knight figure. I want to say this was 2007. This was towards this was the Twilight years, and I realize I'm saying that about Moon Knight, but the Twilight years of Toy Biz with the figures. They could be hit or miss sometimes, though. Like, Moon Knight, I felt like, had spidery kind of legs, you know? Yeah, that, that was definitely a weird time for, for Toy Biz. I feel like they, they knew, maybe maybe there was, like, a writing on the wall that they were losing the likeness or whatnot, and they were just, like, being super lazy, or they just got content with where they were. I mean, I, I don't know why, but, yeah, towards the end of that Toy Biz run, they were, like, not the best quality. Have you ever noticed when a toy company loses the license? It, it's prevalent with a lot of them. And, you know, you're a big wrestling fan as well. You know, when Jack Specific was losing the license, there were some interesting figure choices that were coming out towards the end. Like, there were some great ones. You look at the unreleased ones, but I don't think we will ever be able to top in terms of worst figure I've ever seen in my life than Mark Henry wearing a diaper. Oh, God, uh, yeah, man. I, you know, I guess it just comes down to like, I mean, to toy business, like, I guess, you know, just to, to make the most amount of profit and money, they just didn't care. They were just throwing so much crap at the wall and just releasing whatever the heck they could with very little quality control. It's just, I feel like they just wanted to get those last couple of dollars. They knew they were on their way out and they just simply just didn't care. And yeah, that Mark Henry figure is a joke, but, uh, it's, I've seen it in know. person once and I'm kicking myself for not getting it because it's just so unintentionally hilarious. Oh my! Is it like rare or something? Is it like valuable or, or not really? Probably not for myself. Like it's very, it's actually surprisingly hard to find wrestling figures in like used because there aren't that many flea markets near us, for example, as there used to be. Yeah, it's a shame, man. Speaking of like, just a segue for a moment. So you guys live like you know upstate New York. Do you like? Do you ever check out like Stormville? I'm not. It's a, yeah, Stormville, right? The Stormville. Oh flea hell yeah, dude! I love that place. How cool is that place? That was where I like I fell in love with going for my toy biz addiction of like getting the old school figures. I have I've gotten so many great things there. I got an Atari there once. It's I love Stormville. Oh my goodness, yeah, man! There's so many people there. I mean, we, maybe we shouldn't talk about this on the air. But all of a sudden, everyone in the Northeast is going to like flock there. No, they but, do. Yeah, no, uh, they do in the summertime. Yeah, we've gone through there. Our family that uh, lives just past there and stuff. But I haven't been to one as of yet. But we know oh, we know where it is. Yeah, I'm sure. It's so cool, especially man. with comics. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, comics. Oh my god, you're gonna like you're not you're not gonna believe me about this. So I was at the Stormville one. I think it was about a year ago. The one that happened, like I want to say, it was May of 2019. And it was um the, the first appearance of Ghost Rider. What what comic is that? And we're, here we are talking Eddie? about Ghost Rider. It just pops into my head. Um, I don't think it was like Ghost Rider number one or anything. It was like. It's a Marvel Spotlight, I believe. Marvel Spotlight, that's probably yeah. it, right? Like number five. And yeah. This is why I do this show with him. <laughs> yeah. It's just one and reason. <laughs> there was um this one vendor, he had a couple of like, you know, raggedy comic books, amongst other things. He wasn't by any means like a comic book or a toy vendor, just a guy that had a random like junk, if you will. And then on the bottom of his like table, whatever it was, he had like a tarp, I think, and he had that first appearance of Ghost Rider. And it was like, well, like it was it was beat up, it was raggedy. But so I didn't even bother looking at it because I figured it's worth nothing. It's just there. It was like the middle of the day already, and it's still there. I figured it was worth nothing. So I didn't even bother, you know, looking it up on my phone or anything. And I'm not the most knowledgeable Ghost Rider guy or whatever. 
But I go home and I just, for whatever reason, that popped into my head, that same exact cover or whatever. And I, and I Googled it. And sure enough, it was the first appearance of Ghost Rider and it was sitting there with a bunch of shit. And I, and <laughs> yeah. I let it go. It slipped right through my fingers. <laughs> I know when I went there, I, I partially got ripped off, but maybe I, I, messaged, I texted Eddie like immediately afterwards after I got it. I was like, Eddie, I just got the first appearance of Hercules in a Marvel comic. Turns out it was his second appearance. And the guy was, like, hyping it up. as oh, it's his first. I'm like, oh, cool. Even though I have Google on my phone, I'll take your word for it. Uh. <laughs> so, hey, man, it, it happens. So what it, was that? What's, funny, let's, let's answer that question, then. Hercules' first and second appearance in a Marvel comic. Oh, it's a Thor book, I guess. A what? A what book? It's a, a Thor book, I guess. A Thor book? Okay. I mean, I have the couple of miniseries Bob Layton drew in the 80s and whatever, but I don't know about before that. I just find it funny that there also when you mention that of you know flea market, there's always going to be the ones that you will always eternally see at these flea markets. And mm-hmm. before I actually preface with this story, I have to do it quick mini aside because I'm going to forget about this, and I know you'll appreciate it. There's a vendor at Stormville who's selling uh, picture frames, and he puts inside of each picture frame a picture of a pro wrestler from like a random magazine. And they're like these beautiful picture frames. And for no reason, I saw one with a uh, biker undertaker in there. And he wanted $15 for it. And I'm partially kicking myself over that because a home is not a home unless you have biker undertaker hanging up on your wall. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, if you have a fireplace, that's the perfect place to put it above. I mean, everyone, every household in America, it should be almost like, uh, like, a, like a nationwide law. You need biker taker. <laughs> like directly over like your your fireplace or over your sofa or something. Okay, so partial oh, translation for some, you must live alone. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> How dare you, sir? <laughs> God's honest truth. <laughs> <laughs> now, the other thing was, when you go to things like Stormville or a flea market in general, there's always going to be the cliche things, and you run into these every single time. What are those for you, like with Marvel uh, or comics? Well, definitely things that run into that Marvel for comics. It's always going to be like Beanie Beast. But uh, as far as comics, going back to the holographic stuff, like, you know, those ones from, I want to say, 91, where on the bottom left-hand corner, it shows, like, you know, Captain America 50th anniversary or Spider-Man 35th anniversary or whatever. It's those ones that are, like, it's a, it'll be like a green cover for Amazing Spider-Man, and we'll have that silver holographic, like, square um, yep. on the actual cover. You, you know what I'm talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Those are, like, rampant. They're awesome. They're unfortunate. They're valueless. But I always see those, like, at almost every time I go to a, I don't want to say yard sale, but definitely flea markets and, and, and things of that sort of nature. Just, I don't know. I guess they made so many of them back in the day, and people stocked up on them thinking, oh, man, one year, <laughs> this will pay for my car or pay off my house. And sure enough, they're selling it now for less than they bought it for 30 years ago. It's crazy. But those are rampant, man. I, I always, always see those. And I think the only one that really matters is the uh, Amazing Spider-Man one. And, you know, all Amazing Spider-Man books usually are heavily in demand. And with that, the one out of that series, the reason it's so important is because it features the first appearance of Spider-Man uh, 2099. Oh, really? Yeah, it's pretty damn crazy. I, I did not know so, that. I'm glad you guys had me on. Now I, I just learned something new. <laughs> it, it's funny because, like, that's one of the ones that, yeah, I came across dirt cheap you know next to nothing i paid for it then i go online i'm like 
Oh, this goes for a kind of a decent amount of money. I wouldn't pay $12 for this, but, you know. Well, you know. Now, also, just overall with the retro toys, especially, and actually going over more to the modern toys, what are some of the things coming up that you're excited about? I mean, whew, that Marvel Legends Age of Apocalypse Apocalypse looks pretty damn cool. I can't wait to get and that. it comes with a skull. Oh, it's awesome, man. I mean, Kingpin, you know, I already have him, but I mean, just the fact, like, I would love to display that one in the retro Spider-Man packaging. That one looks awesome. Mm, I mean, there's so many. Like you mentioned before, the Daredevil one looks awesome just for nostalgia's sake, how I always used to see him all over the toy stores. We'll love to get that guy as well. Um, I mean, but, I mean, that's pretty much it in terms of, like, comic books. I mean, I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there. I mean, I can't even pinpoint. There's, like, so many... Things. things are always getting announced. Oh, man, there's, there's so much stuff. I mean, I'm into, like, I mean, like, you know, like, the figure arts. You guys collect those, SH figure arts? Oh, I've only collected two, and that's because uh, I got one for $20. I got the homemade Spider-Man suit from uh, Homecoming. Paid $20 for that. Really proud of that one. And yeah, the Star-Lord from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 with, like, the big explosions and everything that he comes with. Oh, my God, yeah, those are cool figures. I mean, I can't think of anyone that's, like, coming out. You know, there's no Marvel movies, really, like, that are on the horizon. But, I mean, I'm always looking forward to seeing what, what they do. But, yeah, those are cool figures. Same thing with Hot Toys. I collect a lot of Hot Toys. But it's, like, the same thing. It's, like, kind of cold right now for them because, for that very reason, there's no new Marvel movies coming out. But um, that's pretty much it as far as Marvel Legends. I, I collect a lot of stuff. I mean, I really can't pinpoint what it is. I mean, I just have so much stuff as it is. Like, my buying is so limited because I have to pick and choose what I have because I have just a small little, like, toy room, if you will, and it's at capacity. As a matter of fact, the past, like, three days, I downsized so much, I put it all into a storage locker in these Tupperware bins that I got from, or Rubbermaid bins, I should say, from Target that, you know, I just have it tucked away and just I have so much stuff and such little space. It's like I have to really, really pick and choose what I get because otherwise it goes into rubber made. I get to enjoy it for five minutes. It gets tucked away forever. What's the point of getting it? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And like that for myself, like the only thing I'm heavily excited for, of course, is going to be the moon Knight figure that, you know, they're doing as a Walgreens exclusive, which I lucked out on. I saw the pre-order link, went for it immediately. 10 minutes later, completely sold out because that was wow. the one everyone wanted. Moon Knight was a cool freaking. Well, I want to say was Moon Knight's a cool character. Remember, like in the what was it, the early or mid two thousands when David Finch was um doing the work, the artwork for him. Yep, two thousand six. Oh my god, dude, that was amazing. I remember like looking forward to actually going to the comic shop, and those feelings have long since left me. So I feel like all comics nowadays are not that captivating, and it's just not as good as it was way back when. Um, but yeah, man, those man, those books were amazing. That artwork was just like mind-boggling. It almost felt like you were reading a movie, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. And, you know, on the topic of Moon Knight, as of this recording on May 27th, Marvel returns to New Comic Book Day, and today Avengers number 33 comes out, and we start the Age of Khonshu, where Moon Knight is actually going to be doing this. He's doing one story where apparently he steals uh, Milner from Thor at one point in the story, so... He's worthy? You're damn right he is. What the? But, <laughs> what? What's up so, with yeah, that? So he's worthy, so he could actually pick pick this hammer up. Like, but other people can who I would feel like are more worthy, not for nothing. Like, I don't know, man. Uh, Moon Knight's pretty great. I'm just saying, as someone who's loony for Mooney, you know. 
My Mooney boy. Over the oh, Mooney. Oh, jeez. Over the Mooney's over my hammock. Jeez. Man, I can't wait for Denny's to eventually reopen and <laughs> probably still not go. But <laughs> can you tell Denny's will never, ever sponsor the show? Uh, but w- with a lot of you know these toys, of course, we'd be remiss, and it's going to tie in with my current obsession. McFarland Toys is continually, for over 20-something years now, knocking it out of the park with what we are seeing with toys. Oh, my God, man. Dude, McFarlane, I don't have to tell you this or the listeners like that are like listening, but if it wasn't for McFarlane Toys, all these things, including Marvel Legends, I wholeheartedly believe would not be the quality that they are today or they would not have this sort of fan base to do today. They, just, they are complete pioneers. The action figures have been going around for, for freaking decades now. I mean, they were around for a very long time. But as far as, like, those ultra-realistic sculpts and the paint and action features, articulation, man, McFarlane, they are just at the helm. And let me, start, let me, let me say this also, man. I, I completely love Todd McFarlane. That guy is a genius. I mean, maybe he's listening. I doubt it. Not for nothing, I doubt it. But that guy is so brilliant. Like, talking about having your finger on the pulse of the fans, this guy knows exactly what, you know, the comic book culture needs, the toy culture needs, what they want. The guy is so brilliant. He's a smart dude. He's an amazing artist. He's a fantastic businessman. And, like, you know, I'm sure you guys have seen the same interviews I have. I can't pinpoint a particular one. But he was talking about how back in the day when he was making, like, the Spawn, like, Series 2 or Series 3, and, like, they did, like, the paint wash where it looks like, the, like you know, some of, like, their outfit or weapons or whatever were, were weathered. And at the time, nothing like that existed. And how he traveled to, like, the factories in China and explained to them what he wanted to see and how he wanted it done. And now he fast for all these years, and it's just like, man, it was just, it was such cutting-edge, like, stuff. He's such a pioneer. And the McFarlane toys, man, those shits will go down in history. It sucks that a lot of them are really, don't have, like, a large value. But, I mean, hey, it is what it is. It doesn't have to be worth a ton of money for people like you and I to enjoy it. But those figures are just unbelievable, man. Just the other day, and um, I, I, I have, um, it was one of my favorite figures when I was a kid. It was Commando Spawn from, I think, Series 2 or Series 3 of the Spawn figures. I really don't remember. And, you know, going to my storage lock, like I was mentioning, clearing out my toy rooms because it's so damn crowded, I found a, a Spawn, a Commando Spawn figure. The bubble was completely crushed. It was a mess. So I'm like, oh, I'm never going to sell this. I like this figure. I came home, and I literally opened it up. And I just right now, I'm literally looking at it. It's on my little um, desk right now. It is such a cool figure. That thing is from 1995, 25 years old. And still to this day, you, you compare it to what they have in stores, you know, other than Marvel Legends, from, like, you know, if you go to, like, a Walmart or a Target, this thing blows anything that comes out nowadays out of the water. They just make and continue to make and made some fantastic stuff, man. I just completely love McFarlane, everything about them. And it's funny because, you know, when he announced that he was going to do a Kickstarter, I had mentioned this to him, you know, when we had him on the show off uh, mic. But I feel like they massively underestimated the people that wanted these figures because they just did the Spawn uh, remaster of the original figure. It's going to come with a comic book. It's going to come with like, this case and everything. And it's the original figure. He's going to come with, I think, the bat with the, um, with the nail through it. Mm-hmm. But all these little things, and they put down, the goal was $100,000. Mm-hmm. 
and the figure would cost roughly 40, 40-ish dollars. That goal was attained within 12 minutes. By the time uh, I pitched in, they were three times over their goal. Jesus. And at the end of the Kickstarter, they made over $2.5 million. Isn't that unreal, man? When you think about that, action figures, mm-hmm. toys, if you will, making nearly $3 million, all from online sales. You don't need brick and mortar anymore as much as I love brick and mortar stores, but that's, that's unbelievable that you know, he's going to get the majority of those proceeds and whatnot, and just, they're doing it directly to the consumer, to us, to the fans. It's beautiful, man. I, I love it. It's amazing. Do you think Kickstarter could be a major contributing factor in the future of toys? Like, you know, making a thing a Kickstarter exclusive? Mm, I definitely see it happening more and more with toys. I don't know, like, I mean, I don't know if it'll, if, like, you know, larger, like, toy, like, licenses, like, like franchisees, I guess, or a franchise, I should say, beyond it. I don't know. But as far as, like, like small guys trying to get something off the ground, absolutely. It's, what does Hasbro have? Like the HasLab or something like that? Something like that. Or like Hasbro Pulse, whatever, man. I know people are going to scold me. I just don't know. I mean, should I, I forget more, more stuff than I know. Believe me, doing this. But yeah, they have that same type of thing where they did the Star Wars like barge, and then they did recently, or I think they're still doing, there was like, um, like some sort of Transformers or whatever. But, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, things are, these are so costly to make, and it's such a risk that you – it's almost like a requirement, I feel like, nowadays. If you want to make that obscure character or that extra-large vehicle, whatever, it's like you need this because, you know, you can't make it if you don't know what the interest is going to be like. So, like, you know, crowdfunding things are almost like a necessity now. Does that make any sense? Yeah, absolutely. I do, I do think, though, with uh, crowdfunding a figure, because we had mentioned it, I had mentioned it during the uh, McFarlane interview from the extended one with him, they're they're looking into like you know they can make any character they want with the DC license over at McFarland, and they can do any character or any version of the character. So, a lot of people are going to be like, I want to see a Christian Bale Batman, or I want to see a Michael Keaton Batman, or I want to see whatever. I made a suggestion to him, and it came off as that would be more of a crowdfunding one. Why haven't we ever seen a George Reeves Superman toy? Mm-hmm. And yeah. the thing with that is this: you could do you could do a color version and a black and white variant. But when you say Superman, you're more likely going to hear Christopher Reeve as a fan's response, yeah. or Henry Cavill, mm-hmm. of course. Yep. There's not going to be a lot of George Reeves heads out there going on saying, "I want to buy this." So it makes sense why that could be limited to something like a crowdfund if they were to do it. You know, and I even made the suggestion during uh, Toy Fair to the guys at uh, Hasbro, I think it would be cool to see because now they're doing the upcoming X-Men line of, like, the the 20th anniversary of X-Men movie. They're doing a Hugh Jackman Wolverine. They're doing Patrick Stewart Xavier, James McAvoy, etc. I would love more than anything... And I, I, I unironically say this because I love his portrayal of the character. I would love more than anything to have a Dolph Lundgren Punisher figure. Oh, my Lord. From your mouth to God's ears, man. How awesome would that be? That is, I will continue to say this, that is the most underappreciated, underrated portrayal of the character. <laughs> it's such a, 
it's cliche 1990s canon, even though canon pictures didn't do it. It's, I would love to see that more than anything. It'll come with the uh, good old, um, that, that knife with the Punisher skull on like the handle or whatever it was. That was like the only Punisher uh, skull in the movie, I believe. Pretty much. And like, I know a lot of people, you know, poo poo it because he didn't wear the skull in the movie on his shirt, but come on, you have Dolph Lundgren doing his best alone with black dyed hair. It's pretty great. You know what? That'll come in a two-pack with him as Drago in Rocky Four. That's it. Oh, my Stop God. That. That's amazing. <laughs> Dude, I, I'm telling you, man. <sighs> I, I, I think overall, like, there's so many actors, especially that era, by the way. Who could you... Could you see Charles Bronson in the Marvel Universe? Hmm. There's your older I mean, guy. <laughs> yeah. The perfect Reed Richards, Charles Bronson. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I definitely... No, Kylie, we're going to fight Galactus. <laughs> I mean, he, you know, he has that look. I mean, you're going to think I'm crazy. I mean, maybe this is, I don't know why, it's the only guy that pops into my head. Like, granted, he, he doesn't look like the character per se and definitely doesn't have the, the same stature for him. But I can picture him playing like a kingpin type bad guy because he has that like that like crime lord look to him, doesn't he? <sighs> I'm trying to think of something. Hold on. Maybe. I, I can't see him bald, though. I don't know. Uh, I, I want to do a, uh, my Bronson impression now, just involving Daredevil, but I can't think of anything. Ah. Go with Bronson Pinchot. No, that's a different. Sorry. You stop, you stop that. But <laughs> Act my, well. My yeah. I, I love the idea, though. He looks at circa 1974 Death Wish. Bronson mm-hmm. looks like... Tony Stark from the 70s with the pencil-thin mustache and well, everything. Tell me I'm wrong. I, I can go for that. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, man. Yeah, oh, I love that pencil-thin mustache. That shit is so funny. Demon in a bottle, no dice. <laughs> oh, my God. No. Demon in a bottle, this ain't over. It's later That's than funny, 74, man. though, but okay, yeah. So I think this is going to wrap this episode up for today. But, ZST, once again, thank you so much for doing the show today. No, man, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, you know, I love you guys. I love all things comic books, um, Marvel, action figures. So, yeah, guys, again, you know, please, you know, follow me on Instagram at Zombie Sailors Toys. I'm always finding a ton of stuff. My entire job is finding, like, the best condition figures. So I'm literally contacting old – I have you have no idea how long my list is. I'm contacting old mom and shop – mom and pop shop uh, stores and warehouses, distributors, and they meet – tens of thousands of these figures of, of any toy line you can name. And it's just statistically impossible for everything to have gotten sold. Of course, there has to be some dead stock out there. So my entire job is to go out there and find this dead, dead stock. And that's what I do, man. I've been doing this now for five years strong. I think I'm doing a pretty good job at it. That's my own horn. And I'm always on the search for new things, especially comic book related things, Marvel in particular. And uh, I'm going to keep, keep right into the wheel to a look. So I appreciate you guys if you follow me. And definitely, it's, it's a good time. And, and Big Kev, Kevin Koch, if you're listening, I love you, man. Please respond to my DMs. I love you, baby. <laughs> <laughs> we have to edit that out. No, no keep it, keep it, keep it. <laughs> I just wanted to know, with the ones that you said have to be in the tubs, if they're all the same size tubs, kind of do the math, how much of a collection would you have in terms of some kind of general number? Like how many pieces? Sure. Oh, man. Hey, including inventory? Whatever whatever it takes, yeah. And, um. I'm going to say for, for inventory, I'm going to say, and I'm not even exaggerating these numbers. I just have like a rough estimate. 
Like I just recently got a ton of Mighty Max figures in uh, Congo. I'll eventually find those if people listening don't know. Like uh, an actual gorilla stole those. Like stole cases of Congo figures for me. It was around that damn gorilla. Damn, he was at Banjo the Gorilla. He's on Instagram. Also, he's an asshole. But yeah, it was about <laughs> uh, six hundred Congo pieces. I have about a thousand Mighty Max pieces, and about five or six hundred Double Dragons. So right there is I'm terrible at math. Right there is like you know nearly three thousand pieces, mm-hmm. including that and everything. I probably have for inventory. Gosh, maybe like five thousand carded figures from the '90s, and for my own collection, probably around. Mm, probably, I would say around six, seven hundred pieces or so. I have, a, I have a lot of stuff, man. Yeah. All I know is I pay for what the average American pays for their mortgage. I probably spend in storage. So <laughs> storage, why. yes, is where it's going exactly. I was going to do <laughs> one throwback question. That was to Toy Biz because so, circa like ninety four, ninety five, and I remember seeing and I have a couple, two or three, and I can't remember what the characters are, but I do remember the packaging, bright colors. And I wanted to ask if you had any idea how many came out in that line, how many figures, and were um, they all were they all the same general size, like ten inches high, or I don't know. Uh, for the Marvel figures, the ones from the nineties, the Toy Biz ones, yeah. I would say what were those like about five inches? I would say five inches, give or take. They were they were pretty much the scale. Um, my God, I don't know. I mean, there there was probably I mean, including X Men figures and just Marvel universe itself. Oh God. I would say probably around 150 different characters, about at least 100 different characters. Okay. They probably had, you know, for the X-Men alone, they probably had maybe up to 10 different waves um, with that, you know, that orange backing. They, then they tr- transitioned to, like, a bluish backing. And each wave had, like, six or seven guys. So, you know, just do the math. So that's, like, 70 right there or whatever. Yeah, there's a lot, man. There's so many. And they yeah. made some obscure characters. Like, you know, they made Kane and all these weird guys. So there's a lot. For The Marvelist, I'm Peter Melnick. I'm Zombie Sailor. And I'm Eddie Wilson. Excelsior. Obsessed with Marvel, the ZST version. Thanks for sticking around. Question number 1029. Armbar. Who was Django Maximoff? Oh my, I have no idea. Well, we're going to give you four choices. Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch's foster father. Mr. Dahl. Well, that's pretty appropriate. The Spy Master. Or Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch's father. Django Maximoff. This, to me, sounds like it's a Star Wars crossing here. Yeah. Quicks- well, Scar- Scarlet Witch and... Um- and the other dude, like, that's Magneto's the father, so I know that's not it, right? I would I think so, like yeah. Now. Yeah. So, uh... You threw that Walt those guys in there for two. I want to say the question is the answer is C. The spy master. Yes. I assume there's a, there's got to be a, a Django Maximoff character. I don't know. What do you think, Peter? I like the way Snrub thinks. <laughs> so we're going to so try to go with that one. Spy master. All right, here we go. No, the answer is Quicksilver and the Scarlet, which is Foster Father. Son of a bitch! Didn't know they had a Foster Father. Dag nabbit. My eddy oh, sense was kind of hinting there, but it didn't pay off. Okay, oh for one, but that's not a th- nothing new on the Marvelous. Uh huh. In terms of he's obsessed with Marvel <laughs> questions, six hundred and eighty-nine. Where are you? Right after six eighty-eight, of book, course. Eddie. Oh, die. Okay. Six eight nine says, "Who was not one of Spider-Man's allies in foiling the plot to wreck the U.S. Capitol in Marvel Team Up?" All right, the, pro- the plot to wreck the U.S. Capitol and Marvel team up, who was not one of Spider-Man's allies. 
Captain America, Black Widow, Nick Fury, or Shang-Chi? It doesn't tell me what issues. That might have helped me, but anyway. Who was not one of Spider-Man's allies in foiling the plot to wreck the U.S. Capitol and Marvel team up? Captain America, Black Widow, Nick Fury, or Shang-Chi? I have my idea. Go ahead. I'm going with Shang-Chi because a lot of those characters seem similar in regards to the uh, the spies and all that. Yeah, tied to the U.S. Capitol. I think I'm, I'm with you there. In fact, I know it. But then oh, again, God. Uh, I'm going to go with Nick Fury. Okay. He says C, but the majority of us three will be D, so let's try D. It is D, Shang-Chi. Damn it! <laughs> See, the reason I would have gone differently than Shang-Chi, though, was because of the fact maybe they're throwing him in as a red herring, but mm, not the case. Not the case here. So we got. And I'm not talking about red herring from a pup named Scooby-Doo. Mm. <laughs> one, one, seven, available nine. on VOD and home and rental now. Soinks! Okay. 1179, with whom or what did Wolverine and Alpha Flight join forces to combat in Uncanny X-Men 139-140? Okay, with whom or what did Wolverine and Alpha Flight join forces to combat in Uncanny X-Men 139-140, which was out around 1980? Was it Wild Child, The Master, The Great Beasts, or A Wendigo? Wendigo, I think, because it's uh, Canada. Yeah, I would do mm, thing. That makes sense. So let's just go there to letter D. That is correct. Yeah, because they're going to D's going with the whole retelling of you know his past and what was his first appearance. Uh, Incredible Hulk one eighty one, technically one eighty. I digress. Technically, uh, he, you, yeah, you're definitely going off the. Uh, I, I hate when it's that whole oh a first appearance is they're in more than one page. No, that's their first appearance. <laughs> Kiss made their first right. appearance in Howard the Duck number whatever. So, so we are two out of three. I think we need the fourth one, especially since I see that this question, while lengthy, is a 2099 involved one. Ooh. So we may have a shot with our guest here, so to speak. Uh, and I have a picture of X-Men 2099 looking at me. So question number 1,357. The Marvel 2099 line of comics also introduced an AD 2099 version of the X-Men set on an alternate future Earth. Created by writer John Francis Moore and writer Ron Lim, X-Men 2099 was founded by Zian Chi Zan, a former mutant criminal. I must have butchered that. Even in AD 2099, mutants were still an oppressed group. Following the example of Charles Xavier, Zian intended to help bring about peaceful coexistence between mutants and other humans. Among the other members of X-Men 2099 were the winged bloodhawk Cerebra, Crystalline, La Lunatica, Mean Streak, and Skullfire. The 2099 line also introduced another mutant team and comic book, X-Nation 2099, created by writer Tom Payer and artist Humberto Ramos. Its premise was that Cerebra gathered a group of young mutants together, one of whom might prove to be a prophesied leader for a mutant kind. Among the members were Clarion, December, Metalsmith, Nostromo, Twilight, Uproar, Willow, and Wolf. W-U-L-F-F, that is. What is the alias of X-Men 2099's leader, Zian Chi Zan? What is the alias? The Fool Killer, Controller X, Desert Ghost, or Brimstone Love? Sounds like a radio name to me, but anyway. Late night, love. late night love songs, radio program. 
The Fool Killer, Controller X, Desert Ghost, or Brimstone Love, the alias of X-Men 2099's leader? Pretty sure I know this. Um, Go ahead. Uh, the Desert Desert Ghost? Okay. You say it like a question. but yeah. I just don't want to I'm think it right now, more so than I already do. <laughs> Peter? I'm going to go with that one as well. That was my initial one because Full Killer is a completely different character. Yes. Uh, Brimstone Love is somebody else, I yeah. guess. And what was the other one? Controller Fireworks. X. Controller X is where I was headed because it got an X, but I'll just uh, I'll just tag along here and say Desert Ghost. Let her see. That is correct. Yes. <laughs> nice. Three out of four. How do you like that? It happens. <laughs>